0: Welcome to Power Yourself, where we discuss the most important topic in the world you. In a society that's focused on results, productivity, and company growth, how much time and energy is actually put into the employees? Today, we are going to talk about work dynamics, how to help create a collaborative team, and some tips and tricks to help productivity. With me today is one of my favorite guests in the world and most adored friend, Fleur Yumel.
1: Hi, Jill. Hello. How's it going?
0: (laughs) Good. First of all, thank you so much for coming back to the show.
1: Happy to be back. I was so excited that you asked me to come back, especially to talk about this particular topic because it's quite poignant in my life right now. So Yes.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. with that being said, I feel like there's no lead up. (laughs) Let's just dive deep. (laughs) What is Work Dynamics to you?
1: Uh, So work dynamics is a combination of exactly what you talked about, this idea of organizations wanting results, um, but understanding that they need to harness the motivation, the engagement, uh, the productivity of people, which is always so difficult because people are difficult. (laughs) imagine that (laughs) i know right uh i recently was at a conference in las vegas vegas um called the women's leadership conference and one of the breakout sessions was this guy who was um the title of the breakout session was um understanding weird people and um we all and that's fundamentally his message right is that we're all weird um we all come with our stuff And as an effective leader, um, part of trying to understand um, how to grow your team, how to grow your business, how to get those results, you really have to understand people. And I think that that's the dynamics that um, I operate in, and that I think organizations need to operate in. It's um, you can talk as much as you want about technology and processes and policies, but if you're not understanding the people that live within that stuff, you're not going to get anywhere.
0: See, I find that so interesting because it's always the idea that I'm chasing and Mm -hmm. it's hard because you're coming up against almost like a transactional or a productivity kind of result. Mm -hmm. Everybody's chasing the big win or they Mm -hmm. want their company to succeed. And I'm like, wait a second. It's about the people. If you can get those people motivated and Mm -hmm. have that, I don't want to say personal connection, but almost personal respect Mm -hmm. and learn a way to motivate them and help them see their potential, Mm because sometimes I feel that's what it is. The employees themselves doesn't feel that they are valued or that they have the value within them. Mm -hmm. So having a leader be able to dig deep and actually look for stuff like that, and imagine this, manage the people Mm -hmm. (laughs) as opposed to the work, Mm -hmm. I always feel like that's, that's the next step. That's the next level.
1: Well, it's it, to me. It doesn't even feel like it's the next step or the next level. It, it is the level. It is the step. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm trying to be kind here. <laughs> yes, um, because if, if, if fundamentally, like, unless um, you know, unless you're kind of selling a widget and you're in an assembly line and people are doing kind of repetitive actions and motions and they don't have to actually think or feel about what they're doing um, then you do have to really be managing people and people are so dynamic right we're not static we aren't robots so we show up every day and we've got a lot of stuff going on and we fluctuate and oscillate so much and as a leader you really need to be able to be responsive to that Um, and respond in a way that's going to, like you said, still look for that potential in that individual, because fundamentally, if they don't believe they can do it, then it doesn't really matter how much you tell them they can do it. It doesn't matter the kind of resources you put in, in front of them. It doesn't matter about the software they're using. If they don't think they can do it, they're not going to. Uh,
0: I think this is one of the billion reasons why I love you so much. (laughs) because you speak this kind of language and for mm-hmm. me it's my truth like i really i really believe we all have it in us to be absolutely amazing and if people could start working their companies with that tone mm-hmm. then wow wouldn't it be great to go to work mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. there are some places don't get me wrong and i see it it's almost like a shift in mind mm-hmm. i can see people are are slowly starting to make right but i feel reiterating and talking about it allows it to be a thing and to allow people and especially managers and leadership to be aware
1: mm-hmm. that it's a thing. <laughs> well and I think it's permission, Jill. It's permission to, as a leader, to say, you know, this whole, you know, people movement right. <laughs> that organizations are claiming they're doing, like, I I want to focus on it. And because the tangible results don't um make a straight line from that. Sometimes if you're someone who has to then report up to someone who's, um, expecting certain results and you have to say something like, you know what, we're in process, you know, I'm working with that person, I'm coaching that person. Um, it's sometimes hard to sometimes in your own head justify the time that you're spending with someone. Um, and there's always more work up front than there is at the end, right, with most things. Um, and so it validates for people that all this energy and effort that we're actually putting into people is actually going to be meaningful at some point. What that point is really depends on the person <laughs> you're managing and who you are within that process. So so what
0: does that look like? So when you're a manager, okay, let's let's say we have managers and leaders listening to us. So being somebody that helps employees or has people that reports to them on a daily Mm -hmm. basis, what do they have to look for or what do they have to start to incorporate in their actions as a leader to help spark that people moment or movement? I should say.
1: Yeah. Um, So for me, I really uh, kind of um, value vulnerability. Like, I was thinking about um, when you asked me to come and talk and I started thinking about some of the things that are critical for a leader and I feel the most critical quality is vulnerability because with vulnerability comes self-awareness, right? Self-acceptance, accountability, trust, um, connection, passion, right? So if you're not a vulnerable leader, then you can't create that in other people, right? So I want to define what a vulnerable leader is because people listening might say well, I don't want to be the leader that cries, or I don't want to be the leader that shows any kind of emotions. I don't want to be that leader who's, um, you know, seen as weak, right? Because oftentimes when people hear vulnerable, they hear weakness. It's so sad, but that's so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, the number of times that I've had to go in and, you know, I, I get, I go and I do a lot of coaching with the executive leaders. And, you know, when I start talking to them about vulnerability, you can just see them start to squirm a bit, right? They're like, man, this is what we get for getting a social worker to come come in and talk to us, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the truth of it is, is vulnerability to me is meaning what you say and saying what you mean, right? So it's about being honest about what's within you, what's going on with you, and then having the courage to actually speak it out loud. So
0: that sounds so doable, doesn't right? it? It's it- conscious. I, I know that it's a conscious effort. Mm-hmm. Because we try to do it, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. in our daily lives. And it is that conscious effort. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like when I see it, it's an automatic respect for the person
1: who's trying. Because Mm -hmm. we all know how hard it can be. Totally. And when you are able to conjure up that courage to actually say what you mean, the power that you're giving the other person to do the exact same, I mean, this is where that um, synergy and that... Uh, energy comes from to be able to move forward when you're talking about a project, when you're talking about being stuck, when you're talking about, you know, not getting the results, right? So imagine a leader who comes to you and says, you know what, Jill, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about kind of what's been happening over the last couple of weeks. You know, I'm just wondering if you and I can have a conversation. Um, and maybe you could let me know, what's been going on? You know, because I've noticed a decline in your attendance. I've noticed that when you are here, you seem a bit distracted. Um, A couple of times I've seen you make some mistakes. And I just, I kind of need to know what's going on here. Because one, you know, like that can't continue for you or for me. And two, if there's something else going on for you, I want to be able to support you.
0: So it's almost like what you're explaining here, Fleur, is that it's a transparency with your employees. Mm -hmm. It's being transparent. You're calling it like it is. Absolutely. And I almost feel it's a respect to the other person to be like, hey, I'm noticing this. Mm -hmm as opposed to us have hard feelings Mm -hmm. about it,
1: let's put it out on the table and talk. Absolutely. And there's no assumptions going on, Mm -hmm. right? There's no assumptions going on about why you're missing deadlines, why you're absent. It's really about, hey, Jill, I need you to know, I need you to tell me what's going on. So with vulnerability, right, comes only owning your part of it, right? So I don't have to make up this giant story about why you're not being productive. I can just come and heaven forbid, ask you about it, right? And then be open enough, right? Be compassionate enough to hear your answer. And even if your answer is, yeah, like I kind of hate my job right now. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense then because all these things I'm noticing are kind of in line with that. No one's crazy in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: then you can both kind of revamp and maybe that means like sprucing up your job or maybe that means cutting tides and moving on totally i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think it's just uh once again going back to that transparency mm-hmm. and being respectful to mm-hmm. each other
1: and being really courageous now i know there's people maybe employees who are listening to this going yeah right fleur good luck i mean i have a mortgage to pay i have kids in private school or i have you know car payments i can't tell my boss that i hate my job when there aren't a million jobs out there and it's kind of like you're right you're right you, Some of us don't have that flexibility, that leniency, Um, but this is where being vulnerable on the other side too is owning your stuff. Like if you can't show up and do the job you're being paid for, I mean, in the end, you're not going to feel good about what you're doing either, right? So it's, it's trying to stop this spiraling into this really difficult dynamic where no one's happy and no one's talking about it
0: and i'm just like i i really hope we have a lot of people who want to put the, put this into action because i feel so we're talking about work dynamics and how to really promote a better almost like a more positive work environment absolutely and i feel that's essentially the first step mm-hmm. i feel if you're not going to be transparent or if you're not going to show up and be honest then where are you going to start
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's really hard, right? Because I think, um, we have, um, in our society, a real internal struggle with creating conflict or discomfort. And so people will say to me, so leaders, when I start talking to them about this idea of vulnerability, um, and they start to get a bit squirmy, um, one of the things that we automatically jump to is, well, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. You know, I don't want to go to someone and say, I don't think you're doing a good job. And I always kind of say, well, you don't think they don't know that?
0: Especially if you're thinking that, right?
1: Totally. Like if you're thinking it, you're catching it, you know, two or three weeks post the time they're even noticing it, right? Like, so unless, unless you've got an employee who's ill, like who's struggling with a mental illness and doesn't have that level of awareness, um, or, you know, someone who, and don't get me wrong. There are employees out there who really just kind of come in, punch the clock and move on, right? Right whatever. Those aren't the employees that we're actually talking about. We're talking about the employees who used to be high performers, who used to be completely engaged. We're talking about employees who, you know, used to be, you know, such an integral part of, of the organization. And then just over time, you notice that they're just more and more disengaged. And the truth of it is, is employees go through a cycle, right? We all go through cycles where, We've done all we can in the, the role that we're doing. And until we get new challenges, we're really not going to re-engage. And so I, I think this is probably one of the toughest things as a leader is to continually find a career development plan for your people, uh, right? Yeah. Even if the career development plan is exiting them out of the organization and giving them the confidence to move on to that next level, whatever it is for them. That could be part of your development plan for them. So I think that's, I'm assuming here, but that's what a lot of people
0: are afraid of. Absolutely. That if I start this conversation, they're going to leave. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to the manager who is having that dialogue in their head?
1: Well, first I would say to them, okay, let's uh, step off the ledge, right? (laughs) Let's stop catastrophizing the situation because the more you go down this, path, the more anxious you're going to be, the less you're going to want to have this conversation. So,
0: and you almost build it up to be this negative experience already.
1: Absolutely. And the truth of it is, is that if all of the things that you're catastrophizing about are true, then you should be freaking anxious, right? (laughs) Because if this is an integral part of your team, and you think they're going to leave, you you should be a little bit anxious about that. But avoiding that conversation is only going to perpetuate that anxiety. So, So that's the, that's the juice right here. Yeah. Why should we tell them not to avoid? Um, do you ever throw a stinky sock in the corner? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you come home from the gym, you just throw it in the corner. And then before you know it, you know, you, you throw in other things in the corner and, and then all of a sudden you start to smell the smell right? So just because you've avoided taking that sock out of the corner and dealing with it doesn't mean that that stinky smell isn't going to show up, right? And what you've done is you've wasted a lot of time because one of the things that I talk to organizations about, and this is where they, you know, forget that I'm a social worker, is I talk to them about opportunity cost, right? Opportunity cost is when you've got someone sitting in a seat, right, who you're paying benefits to, who you're training, who is interacting with your client, client population right and
0: your other employees
1: and your other employees and they're not doing a very good job at it it. and someone else could actually be sitting in that seat who is who could be doing the things you need them to do Right. And then that person who's sitting in that seat is missing out on their opportunity to go somewhere else and make the impact they want to make. Right. So, opportunity cost is fundamentally the thing that we are risking when we're not vulnerable, when we're not transparent, and when we're not able to have these difficult conversations.
0: Well, Fleur, if that's not a motivation to jump in (laughs) and have those conversations, I don't know what would be.
1: Absolutely. Because we always talk about productivity and motivation and, you know, in engaging people to have results Um, we don't look at the long-term consequence of opportunity cost Mm -hmm. and that can that opportunity cost can cost companies millions of dollars in productivity in toxicity in inability to motivate people to go in the right direction in mistakes in loss of clients like it's phenomenal and when I start talking about this with organizations they do perk up a bit right because all of a sudden they're like well, you oh, just right. said, you just gave it a dollar value. right? Totally. Now. So yeah. if
0: you're not a people person, you're now engaged because you just told me the result of what's going to happen.
1: Absolutely. Like if you may not be a manager who cares too much that people are happy, right? But if you're a manager who does care about your bottom line, here it is. This is your bottom line. You're going to miss out on a lot of um, potential, both for people and organizations to be successful if you don't have difficult conversations. Ugh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: you've mentioned a couple of times so far about when you go to organizations. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do when you go to those organizations?
1: Um, so my role, um, you know, just a, a quick recap. So, you know, I'm a clinical clinical social worker. So I have a private practice and I see, um, you know, couples, families, individuals around normal mental health stuff, but
0: huge a f- variety, a huge <laughs> variety. Yep.
1: And then a few years ago, I uh, opened kind of an organizational and an employee wellness program as part of my practice. And that's grown probably in the last couple of years to the point where I've, I have a couple of organizations that I do a host of different work for. So, you know, at the very surface level, I'm the person that managers, and people can go talk to when they're having like a meltdown, right? So that's the first thing. That's the first approach that most people um, seek me out. They're like, I'm having a super stressful day. People are going to die if I don't talk to you. So so we have a conversation on the phone or they bring me on site or whatever. And then um, I will also come in and do some one-on-one coaching with leaders, right? So whether employees have identified a leader who's, um, you know, not – a managing well or having some issues conflict with their employees so I can do some one-on-one coaching with leaders and then I can also do some executive leadership coaching either one-on-one or on teams where we strategize around the people stuff because one of the things that organizations sometimes miss out on is they miss out on the actual people dynamic right so we've got HR policies but when people say to me well you know how come HR can't do that? And I'm saying, it's not that HR can't do that, but HR is really busy doing lots of other things, right? They're (laughs) figuring out, you know, uh, policies and procedures and making sure that they're in line with human rights and labor relations and all the legislation around all that stuff. And they're busy, you know, making sure people get paid and they're making sure that people um, have the access to this, that, and the other thing. It's always
0: the easier thing to be like, they can do it. Totally, (laughs) right? Why do I need to do it?
1: Exactly. Um, And so, So the people stuff is this whole thing around understanding weird people, right? And so my job when I come in is giving managers and leaders a very different perspective when they see something happening in the organization. So for example, um, people will say things like, well, you know, we didn't get as many people coming out to the the Christmas party. So I kind of think that maybe our engagement is down. It's kind of like, well what did you do for the christmas party and they're like well we went to a bar and we drank all night long and i'm like okay well the truth of it is is that your population for your people are between 32 and 42 guess what that's prime young family age right that's prime sandwich generation so i don't know that your client po- your employee population is really interested in partying all night at the bar so almost
0: about wait a second take a pulse yes on what your employees would like
1: absolutely like why concept. not ask them right <laughs> like versus it's like well we've always done that and it worked five years ago i'm like well yeah five years ago your employee population was between 27 and 37 right you know maybe newly married um just into their new jobs you know just kind of coming into more senior roles, whatever it happens to be at age and stage and development of their career. And that was a bit more fitting. So we might not actually have an engagement issue per se, we might just have a Um, function issue, in the sense that we actually have to maybe do something a bit different, one that's maybe a little bit more inclusive for their families, right? So then thinking about that, and I just think of, I obviously reflect where I work, Mm
0: -hmm. and I'm thinking, wow, there's a huge range. There's a huge range from like 19 Mm -hmm. to like 69. Right. Okay. So huge. So how would a manager or a leader be able to find the right event
1: for right. all of those ranges so truth be known you can <laughs> so, so there you see, go guys you heard it from Fleur. <laughs> yeah. you can't do that so let's you see what we do can it all do. <laughs> so a lot of it is having i would say varied um events that people can participate in right so back in the day when oil and oil was like at about $150 a barrel. I don't know if it was actually ever at that. But anyways, when, you know, things were booming, when it was booming, a lot of companies would do things like they would do like a family day Christmas party, which is where uh, families and kids could come during the day. There'd be like a clown and there'd be like... Yeah, I still hear tell that this actually happened. Yes, right. And then then they have a separate kind of employees uh, with spouses function the night, another night, right? So part of it is getting out of your head that you're going to find this one ideal thing that's going to hit your um, span of employees. Instead, it's about coming up with a couple of different things that people can choose to attend that really fits their lifestyle in that moment. So giving them the options to be able to jump at. And you know what the problem is, is, well, that takes a lot of time, Joe. It does take a lot of time. We're going to need a committee for that, right? Yeah. And all I have to say is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're gonna need a committee for that, right? And this is really the issue is that people just want managers and leaders want the people stuff to be easy. And it's not gonna be easy. So you're gonna have to devote a bit of time to it. You're going to have to devote um resources to it, right? So again and I think
0: acknowledging that though It's because usually you – like I always reflect back and I'm thinking – like it's always like one person who takes it all on. Absolutely. And they're destined – to to get drained totally. or like fail right so what would you say if there's that one person out there trying to plan all of the people stuff and try to engage all of their coworkers?
1: Um, well, well first i encourage this person to like get some friends um and to kind of have do a team atmosphere so i mean reach out to
0: people is reach it? out yeah of coworkers, workers just absolutely. trying to engage
1: them Absolutely. So um, I, I would do a survey, right? Like, um, you know, we're, we're going to plan a stampede party, you know, what are the different events? You know, how do you envision this happening? Um, getting, a, like you said earlier, a pulse on the organization and the people and try to figure out what is it that they're actually interested in. Um, so what the organization that I'm currently on site for, they have um, a whole team, it's called a social team. And there's probably... I don't know, six or eight people on the team, I can't remember. And their one of their jobs outside of their normal jobs is to be part of this committee to plan events for the organization. That doesn't mean they do all the setup and clean up the breakdown the ordering of the food all that kind of stuff but they're in charge of trying to create the vision for what we're trying to organize and they're in charge of going out there and seeing what's going on in calgary what are our options for team building and for family events and for christmas events so this organization that I work for, I mean, they're awesome because they, they see the value of, of putting some resources into their people stuff. I mean, the fact that they have me on site is such That's a testament. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well,
0: it's its saying to your employees, look, we're invested enough mm-hmm. to get somebody to come in and help us strive to mm-hmm. be better. That's what it tells me. Totally. It, So even like with the – because we're talking about uh, social communities. So Mm -hmm. we have one too. So you have people dedicated to help kind of bring morale up a little Mm -hmm. bit. But what I see sometimes is that you have those people, but it's almost like the leadership doesn't match those people sometimes. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes. (laughs) So when you're coaching managers and leaders to maybe – you know, create that group and encourage that group, what would be your words around that, like your encouragement or the words of wisdom that you would um, Mm. kind of promote to those leaders?
1: Well, first, I kind of want to address the idea why some leaders struggle with the social committee, right, is because, again, they just kind of see a lot of dollars going out. Wasted time. Wasted time, right? Wasted money. And part of the struggle is that it doesn't even make everybody happy. <laughs> so, um, which is a we were- hard one. That's seriously, like that. Totally. You know, as a person looking at
0: the dollar value, mm-hmm. that would be a hard sell. Huge, yeah.
1: right? Like if at the end of the day an event kind of flops or you only have 50% of the people who th- thought it was a great event, you have 50% of the people who didn't, the manager's going to look at that and say, oh, we spent all this money and yet. We're not making everyone happy. So I would say that that's my first piece of advice is let's get over this idea of making everyone happy, right? Because first of all, I'm not in charge of anyone else's happiness. That person is in charge of their happiness. And so if I'm going to be a manager who's going to want everyone to be happy, um, you're not going to be very successful, you're going to get burnt out, and eventually you're going to hide under your desk because you're tired of seeing everybody be sad. Now, the truth of it is, is, is happiness, and this is a, like a question I ask myself, is employee happiness necessary?
0: And we're, that's what we're trying to talk about, about creating that positive Mm -hmm. atmosphere. And we talked about being vulnerable with Mm -hmm. those employees. Mm -hmm. Now we've talked about team engagement and Mm -hmm. offering those outlets. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's, that's the next thing. Mm -hmm. What about you've tried that being vulnerable and coaching for Mm -hmm. didn't work. Mm -hmm. They're not showing up to the Christmas party. What's next?
1: Well, part of it is having, I would say having some one-on-one conversations with people and being able, I'm going to back up. I would say it's more about trying to live in an 80-20 world, right? Where you really got to, be okay with 20% of your employee employee population really not being in line with your cultural value system, right? Um, We're looking, always looking for 100% engagement. We're looking for 100% high morale. And the truth of it is, is that some people work to just work and they're not there to make friends. They're not there to show up for parties. They're not there to really engage in anything other than what their job description says that they're getting paid to do. So how do we let go of that 20%? do we say to them okay yeah like that's cool like you're here because you have a job to do and you're doing it efficiently and you know what if you don't want to show up to the Christmas party or you don't want to come for lunch or you don't want to do you know drinks on Friday totally cool right because that's not going to be your role in the organization your only organization is to come in be reliable and responsible with the job we've paid you to do and leave don't cause ruckus don't cause any toxicity or just gonna come and go so if they're not really
0: kind of being the one who's let's say creating that toxic element Mm -hmm. in the environment then maybe the suggestion is if they're fine with it that might be
1: okay totally like neutrality is far better than negativity right so if we can we can kind of break organizations down into the people who have you know super positive impact right these are the people that you know show up to everything and you know Uh, have ideas and like are the cheerleaders of the organization to, to the people who are neutral. Like I'm going to clump them together because at the end of the day, their net impact is positive and or neutral. I would say that it's the people who, I mean, back to this whole idea of happiness. I, I don't think people need to be happy to be productive. I think people need to feel respected. I think people need to feel that, um, they're confident. I think people need to feel like there's, um, growth potential for them, happiness is, I think, something that we need to let go of in the workplace and trust that people are going to go do that outside of work.
0: Now, see, that's interesting to me. So first of all, we're talking about, you know, I always go back to that vulnerable conversation because mm-hmm. it's my jam. I love mm-hmm. it. I think it's <laughs> essential and foundational, really. Mm-hmm. But you're saying through those conversations, we can spark respect mm-hmm. and growth. hmm And so for me, I'm associating, well, that is happiness Mm -hmm. because you're thriving. Totally. So we can almost look at, we can give our employees those seeds and encouragement, Mm -hmm. have the respect and have those conversations, Mm -hmm. but it is the individual's perception
1: absolutely and how
0: they want to wrap it up in a bow totally that defines happiness
1: and even just what happy behavior looks like there's lots of people out there who are perfectly happy and contented but you would never know it right because they're just not expressive about it they don't say it they don't have a big giant smile on their face they're not skipping down the hallway right but that's maybe not how everyone behaves and so again and I think you bring up a really good point Jill is the fact that We all define what these very soft concepts mean. Like I define for myself what my engagement looks like, what my respect looks like, what my happiness looks like. Managers do the exact same thing, right? So, you know, back to this idea of, you know, what is the conversation you're going to have? It goes back to you going to your employee and saying, hey, I've noticed that you haven't attended, you know, the Christmas party. You haven't come to drinks on Friday. Um, I'm just checking in to make sure that it's just a preference thing and not something that that uh, fundamentally um, is affecting your ability to be happy, be not even happy, but to be um, Engaged. excited yeah. about being in the organization, right? Awesome. And how wonderful for you if this employee goes, yeah, it's just not really my jam, but I love coming to work every day.
0: So you as a manager, I love this. And I really want to just recap because I think it's so valuable for people to hear this. So you as a manager or a leader, your responsibility is is to show up, be transparent, have Mm -hmm. those conversations, which translates to the employee Mm -hmm. as respect, genuine care really for an individual. And that's what you can do. Absolutely. While still supporting that team engagement. Totally. So allowing time for that um, social committee like we talked about and promoting those social events. Absolutely. So that's what you have control of. Absolutely. But the
1: employee,
0: it's up to them to take it to the next level.
1: And, you know, and Jill, you bring up a really good point and is the idea that I want to take a bit of the pressure off managers to make everything happen. Right. You're only 50 percent of the equation. Right. So all you can do is show up, like you said, be vulnerable, be curious, ask lots of questions, Give people feedback around what you're seeing and then having giving them some time to have a conversation about what that means to them, right? And I think part of it is managers take on too much to have all the right answers when really it's your conversation away from having what the right answer is. So take the time. You know, and people, this is the other thing. People will often say, well, I don't really have time. I don't really get, want to get into it. Cause I, you know, this conversation could take an hour. Oh, and it's Oh, that's like, a
0: huge thing. Yeah. Right?
1: And so if it takes an hour, this one time. I can almost guarantee that the next time it would only take 55 minutes. And, you know, because you're, as you're starting to get to know somebody, you can have these one off conversations and you don't have to spend the time getting the backstory, right? So when, once you begin to understand all your employees and the people that you are um, responsible for, you can begin to um, use that established relationship to continue having these conversations that over time will become less difficult. So putting the time and energy in upfront yes. will benefit you Absolutely. later on.
0: So it'll benefit you, first of all, to, from actually knowing your indiv- knowing your employees, mm-hmm. the individuals that work to you as individuals, Yes. so that later on when things maybe go awry or, or maybe there's an issue you have to deal with, you already have the substance. You already have an understanding. Mm -hmm. So now it's more, or I could say you already now have a relationship built. Ah, I like that. Mm -hmm. So that when it comes to the issue, it's easier to have Mm -hmm. that
1: conversation. Absolutely. So think about if you were in a technical role, would you stop learning? No, right? (laughs) I'm like a lifelong learner. Exactly, but even even if you're in, in, in any position, you know, there's a reason we have to do professional development hours. There's a reason that we belong to associations that demand that we keep up on our knowledge, right? So, I mean, as as a manager if you have a functional role in the organization you don't ever stop learning you don't ever stop asking questions you don't ever stop going and reading a book well that is exactly the same thing that you're doing with these employees except they just happen to be conversations they have they happen to be a coffee here and there it happens to be a performance plan whatever it happens to be so if you think about it the work you're doing with employees is not anything different than what we would be doing for our, our own careers where we're constantly trying to learn and, grow and, and show shift with everything that's changing. You can almost think of it like you're getting a degree in people.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) And how different we all are Mm -hmm. and how different we get motivated. Totally. I like that hmm.
1: It's, it's really and I mean, fundamentally, it's hard, right? Because having a difficult conversation or having a conversation with someone you don't know very well, or you're uncertain about how it's going to go, is far harder than going to a course or opening a book or googling something on the internet, or ignoring the stinky sock in the corner, <laughs> We're ignoring the stinky sock in the corner. Um, but Honestly, like, I think if you put the time in ahead of time, I know if you put the time in ahead of time, you're going to see the fruits of your labor um, result in things like productivity and um, going above and beyond. One of the things that's important, too, is to recognize that it, this this it's easy being a manager in good times, right? Um, so when things are good, this is this is probably when it's the easiest, right, to manage people because everyone's happy. Everyone's making, you know, money hand over fist and there's lots of work out there and there's no talk of recession or layoffs or downsizing or right sizing or whatever we call it now. Um, But if you don't build these relationships now when it's good, it's going to be that much harder when everyone's stressed, when everyone's worried, when everyone's feeling um, uncertain or insecure, right? So it's kind of like working on your relationship. You don't just work on it when it's bad. You work on it so that it doesn't get bad. And when
0: it does, you have the relationship built. Absolutely. So it's that easier conversation. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely love it. Yeah. So we've heard amazing things so far. So first of all, let's kind of do a little tiny bit of a recap here. So first of all, you're saying to succeed as a manager and to help kind of give that productive environment to your employees to help create it, you always want to show up and give your employees your time. Yes. So show up. And give them your time. And that looks like vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a, a great way to approach it, to show up, have those conversations with your employees and be able to be transparent and honest and in a sense, be vulnerable where, where you are on the journey, yes. let's say, because that's going to allow your employees to reciprocate. Absolutely. So if they see you being vulnerable, they're probably going to show up and be just as vulnerable. And with that... It's going to give you guys an actual relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, once you have that relationship, as Ms. Fleur has said, (laughs) it's going to be a lot easier in the down times to be able to help encourage that employee. You're going to have that rapport. So guys, if building a relationship wasn't a key to you as a leader or a manager before, I think we kind of really sold some solid points here of why that time and energy and effort is so fruitful. Mm -hmm. I think that's like the perfect word for it, fruitful. Um, So let's, you know, just in case there's people still on the fence Mm floor, let's talk about some of the benefits. Okay, so you've coached a whole bunch of different organizations, you know, you've went in and helped give leaders words of advice. Mm -hmm. What does those benefits look like when the manager and the employee are both showing up with that level of respect and transparency and growth in a way?
1: Well, I would say that the the greatest benefit is uh, retention, right? (laughs) Is that when people know they can come to work, and that they're going to be heard, and that they're going to be seen, and that difficult conversations are going to happen, then they're going to want to be there, right? So and they're going to want to stay, right? So here's another dollar value for you. Attrition rates are normal, right? So I think don't quote me on this. Um, it could have been, it could be making this up in my head, but you want to have like, you know, healthy attrition in organizations, three to 5%. Okay. Right? Explain what that is. So attrition is when people leave. Okay. Right. So, um, so terminating sure. just because they don't want to be there any yep. longer. Resignations, there terminations, okay. moving on, retirements, things awesome. like that. So three to 5%, that's what we expect to see in, in, healthy organizations. That's a natural flow. It's a natural flow. And yeah. that's what you want to see. So there's some organizations are there where we're like, we can't lose anybody. in kind of like no 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 it's kind of like you know being able to grow new hair <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say slough dry skin. I'm like, I don't want to refer to anyone as dry skin, um, especially in Calgary. Um, but it's about knowing that people are going to gradually move on because we don't actually have anything more to offer them. And we don't want to prevent them from reaching their potential.
0: And that doesn't have to be a negative thing. No, absolutely not. We're all on this journey of self-discovery. And
1: absolutely. sometimes we reach our cap at a certain position. Totally. Um, plus, we want to give opportunities to new grads who are coming out who need some good mentoring and who need to come in. In an experienced organization, so um, but when we when we talk about the cost of um, unhealthy attrition, um, we're talking about what it costs you to onboard someone. What it costs you to pay their salary, pay their benefits, pay for their training, pay for their association fees, right? So the minute this person then leaves your organization and takes all of their knowledge right, and walks across the street to your competitor, that is a huge cost. So when managers show up and are able to connect with their employees, then retention is higher. Right? So we can almost calculate what it would cost an organization exponentially for every person who leaves who still has potential to grow and contribute in this organization. So retention is one of the, the I would say, the biggest benefit. I right? would say it's a pretty huge
0: one because not only is it costing to onboard and mm-hmm. – and- invest in that employee with benefits and stuff like that. But you're also trying to bring them up to speed totally. at the level of the employee who's now left the organization. Absolutely. So that costs time and energy and everybody who's ever worked their way up knows how much time and energy it takes to fully understand a job. So some people I think, think of bodies. Oh, one person leaves. Don't worry. We'll just get another person. Mm-hmm. But when you really look at that, I think it is, it's a huge loss and it's going to take the new employee a huge time, Mm -hmm. like a huge learning curve usually to be able to be at that par where that other employee was
1: being productive. Absolutely. So productivity, I would say, is the second piece Ah, that we're... uh, I feel like we had that set up, Yes. we didn't. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so productivity, I would say, is the other benefit is when people come to work and they're not um, afraid to speak their mind, they're not afraid to ask questions, they're not afraid to come up and say, hey, you know what, I just messed up on this, just had a terrible phone call with a client, we're probably going to need to smooth that over. Like if Because you have that vulnerable, trusting relationship with your manager, people can be more... More productive, we're, we're catching mistakes before um, they get they turn into you know disasters. Um, people can come in and uh, they've asked for certain resources, um, and we're able to resource people up. So, productivity is the other uh, huge benefit of putting in the time and investing um, all of this kind of this vulnerable conversation time with employees. Um, The third piece is the impact on culture, right? I mean, organizations spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on branding, on creating an image for them out there with all the social media stuff, right? And they spend about the same amount of money internally trying to build culture, right? So when you can build a culture that is based on transparency and vulnerability and trust and respect, then, you know, the benefit is that people thrive in that type of culture, right? So safe, safe culture is where people feel like they're trusted, that they're respected, that they're going to be held accountable, right? And that that they can really have these meaningful conversations about what's going on in their world.
0: You just bring up a really interesting piece and it's kind of an idea that I really believe has substance and value as well. And you mentioned about the repercussion. Mm-hmm. So, employees being held accountable mm-hmm. in a way. How important is that? Oh my god. Because it's like you know, you see a lot of like oh, no, it's just a behavioral fix itself in a way. Mm -hmm. What does that look like to hold your employees accountable? And what does that create in your team?
1: So this is where vulnerability is probably absolutely crucial because this is what a true difficult conversation is, right? So holding someone accountable is letting them know that you know, right, that they're not perfect human beings, right? And letting them know that that's okay not to be perfect human beings, but we need to be able to move forward and not keep making the same mistake over and over again. The other thing with accountability is if it's not happening, then people can't grow and reach their potential.
0: Love it. Right? So as opposed to thinking of accountability as a scary and negative thing, you can start to reframe Mm -hmm. and start to look at holding your employees accountable that can actually help them grow. Absolutely. And be, end up being productive for right. your company or organization.
1: If we don't hold people accountable, we, we don't teach them that, one, it's okay to make mistakes, but two, we don't teach them that, it's, that you can build resilience to this, right? So it's, it's kind of a little bit what would happen. Like if your child went around and drew on the walls with crayons. Right? Would you just let them keep doing that? No. And would just paint over the wall over and over again? No, no, no. You have to hold them accountable. I'm not comparing children to employees, but I'm basically saying we are a little
0: bit of children are every a little now and then, right? right? I mean,
1: if you think about organizations, there's a, a real strong kind of family dynamic in the sense that there's this leader, right, mom and dad, who set the guidelines, parameters for how we're supposed to behave, and they're the ones who decide whether we're playing within the lines, right? So accountability is letting your employees know that it's one, okay to make mistakes, but two, you got to fix the mistakes so we can kind of get back on track. So for me, accountability is, um, is our way of, giving people breath to live their life within what is expected of them and to do it in their their way or however they feel is going to be most true to them. Um, The other piece around accountability is that if we don't hold people accountable, the people who are doing a good job, who are... So that was the next point that I wanted Mm -hmm. to go at because I'm like,
0: what does it do for the other employees around if they don't see that employee being held accountable?
1: Well, you know what? if you were showing up to work every day at seven forty-five when everyone starts at 8 and someone was showing up at 8 15 and there were no consequences to that guess what i'd show up at 8 15
0: right so you're encouraging other employees absolutely. to repeat the behavior
1: absolutely and it's the same thing i mean back to children if you've got two siblings one's allowed to draw on the walls and the other one's not eventually the one who's not allowed to draw on the walls is going to act out in a different way Right? So the person who sees the other person showing up late may not show up late because maybe that just is a real quality that they um that they value, right? But they're going to act out in different ways, right? Maybe they'll think, "Oh, well, I can take a long lunch. Right? I'm going to leave early or I'm just going to miss that deadline," right? So accountability is not just for the person that is not on track, but it's actually for the other employees to recognize that there are expectations, there are standards. And I'm sorry if that scares people. You know, I'm sorry if it scares you that you have a job that you're expected to perform at. You know, if that, if that's the thing that scares you,
0: don't get a job. But I I don't like, if you dig deep and you dealing with so many people (laughs) for so many years, you know, that's not it. No, you know, it's always, you know, like I would assume it's people getting away with the behavior and there's no benefit to them adjusting or correcting the behavior if they're not being held accountable. Totally. So it's almost like I always go back to, for me, I don't know who told me or where I read it, but it was talking about if somebody's nagging and you give them what they want, you're teaching them to nag. Absolutely, It's like a dog whining. Yeah, If a dog's whining and you just give him it to be quiet, mm-hmm. to appease, to keep the peace, mm-hmm. you're creating a behavior mm-hmm. and that behavior is going to, let's say snowball. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think that's, that's the thing. If you see, uh, something maybe that needs to be addressed in your employees don 't think of it as this big, scary situation. Mm-hmm. Think of it first of all you 're investing in your relationship with them you 're investing you 're investing in them mm-hmm. as a person an individual, and then the third piece
1: you 're actually investing in your whole environment mm-hmm. at your workplace yep yeah. and and part of it too is knowing that if you can create this consistency, that is what creates safety, right? And when people feel safe, then they're willing to take risks. They're willing to think a bit outside the box, right? If everybody knows that consequences are going to be dealt with and not even dealt with in a harsh way, but that they're going to be acknowledged and, um, there's going to be a course correction, then people know that they're in a safe environment. And that's so critical. If we want actually to move beyond just productivity or results, this is where we want to move to innovation. Right. I mean, we live in a world where if we're not innovating and if we're not ahead of the curve, we're getting left behind. And so in order for people to be innovative, they have to feel safe because you have to feel like it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to push the boundaries. It's okay to take some risks. And so again, if you've got that relationship with your manager, because you guys have had these difficult conversations, the minute you take a risk and it starts to go a little bit sideways, like you're at that person's door going, um, I think, I think, you know, and you can have that conversation. And your manager can say, I got your back, right? We had this conversation. I knew you were going to take this. We thought this might be a risk. Let's figure out how we're going to course correct.
0: So once again, meeting with that level of transparency and honesty, and together we can create a better result. Absolutely. We're people. I don't think anybody really expects us to all be perfect and to have, you know, these perfect, interactions all the time. I feel it's by being honest and being real and transparent that we can team up together. Mm -hmm. We feel like we're on the same team. Mm -hmm. We don't feel segregated. And then once that team environment is made, I feel that's when an employee
1: or the organization as a whole can reach that new level. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that allows a team to really bond as a team is if there's consistent rules, right? One person isn't uh, getting away with one thing Another person's there's, The favorite and everybody knows that like you know a lot of people can kind of look past that understanding that different relationships will develop people are uh, you know closer in alignment but when there's out and outright unfairness people don't respond well to that because all of us have that as a value whatever that looks like and how we define it is absolutely different across the board, but all of us have a sense of fairness. And if that sense of fairness is being challenged in the workplace, you can guarantee that um, the next thing you will experience is people becoming unmotivated. Because if it's not fair, why should I bother? Right? Going right back to that accountability piece.
0: Absolutely. Here. So guys, what we've discussed about today is work dynamics, cr- trying to create that team, not only as a manager, but also as an employee to create that positive environment. So me and Flair talked about how to be a successful manager, it's about owning time, giving time to your employees, about building those relationships, showing up and being my favorite word, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So being transparent with your employees and having those difficult conversations. 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 Once you have those conversations, you're actually physically building the relationship so that when you might need to coach them or when something might let's go astray, Mm -hmm. you can have that conversation a lot easier and be able to help the employee through the process. So not only about showing up, giving your time and energy and being vulnerable with your employees, allowing the team engagement, so giving energy and time and money to that social committee to help spark maybe that social events for the people in your workplace that will excel through those social events. We also talked about development hours. So, think about those conversations with your employees as actually developing them. We've also talked about accountability, okay? So, holding your employees actually accountable being able to meet with them, have a conversation. If there is an action that's maybe not in accordance with your rules and regulations, or even the atmosphere that you want in your work environment by having those conversations and holding your employees accountable, think of it as something positive. It's not just correcting the behavior. You can think of it as an investment in the individual themselves and also as an investment in your whole team. Once people see that person being held accountable, that's going to encourage them to give their best self to your organization. So Fleur, once again, thank you so much for showing up and giving us your amazing knowledge. I always appreciate time with you, and thank you so much
1: for coming into the studio again today. You are more than welcome. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and um, yeah, I just appreciate um, having such... um, interesting and um challenging questions that you ask me because it forces me to to remember why i do the work that i do it makes me um remember that there is some method to my madness <laughs> um and and fundamentally just giving managers kind of that okay to be yourselves bring yourselves to the table and again like you said see the reap the fruits of your labor awesomely said thanks joe So
0: guys, that's a wrap on another episode of Power Yourself. Thank you all for tuning in. And I just want to say, don't forget, make the conscious effort in your day to power yourself.